Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Sarah Yacoub with the Monaco Brewing Company Super Pack is on the Mississippi River. And up on Lake Monaco is Kirk Bangstead of the Monaco Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die Hello and welcome to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead. I'm Sarah Yacoub. I'm Pat Kreitlow, and on the show this week, we are loaded with guests. Ahead of next Tuesday's spring elections, we will have on the mayor of Merrill, Derek Wallner, to talk about why he's not seeking another term and his concerns about the tone being taken by elected officials in his city and elsewhere who seem to be rather Trumpian, the way I see it, in their lack of adherence to the Constitution just because they can't get their way every time. We'll also talk to Chris Hambuck-Boyle of the Wisconsin Public Election Network about the school board elections taking place around the state. We also have the pleasure of chatting with Ben Wickler, chair of the Wisconsin Democratic Party. Basically, we need to clear the air on how these are nonpartisan elections coming up, but that doesn't mean people who are active in their local Democratic and Republican parties wouldn't make good elected officials in their communities. But before we get to all that, we don't have a ton of time left, but uh, before our first uh, our first commercial, but uh, I wanted to say something that I saw just uh, like a last week, and it's about Tomahawk. It's up north where we are. We're broadcasting in Tomahawk. There's a school referendum on the ballot, and it's one of 81 referenda being voted on across Wisconsin. 81. That means there's 81 school districts that need more money, and that's about one point two five billion dollars in taxpayer assistance they're asking for that to continue giving wisconsin kids good schools and a school building that doesn't fall down or fall behind technologically so the republican majority in the legislature is sitting on a 3.8 billion dollar surplus because they don't want governor evers to look good by giving any of that money away to areas of wisconsin that need it such as public schools and that desperately need the help because of a decade of being underfunded So instead, we're forcing school boards to beg voters to raise their own property taxes to fund schools. Normally, that's always a hard, that's always a hard task, but it's even harder. It doesn't make any even sense when we've got $3.8 billion that we can help them out with. So for Tomahawk, this is a third referendum in three years asking for more money. In November 2020, the referendum failed by 51 votes. Ouch. In April of 2021, it failed by 35 votes. It's almost equal, you know, equal, equal people voting. And Tomahawk is about as red as it gets politically. But parents know their schools are falling behind. And unfortunately, the community is divided because no one wants to pay more in taxes, not even liberals like me, uh, especially those that don't have kids in school and selfishly think that means that they should be part of investing in our community's future. So it's crazy that we're sitting on a statewide surplus and we can't help some of these schools and kids. Pat? It's, it's unconscionable, mostly, that, uh, that Republican legislators are sitting on billions of dollars. You know, they didn't open up the state's rainy day fund during the rainiest period of our state. And they continue to sit on billions in the hopes that a Republican governor can get elected. It's not as bad as denying, you know, Merrick Garland a a Supreme Court seat, but it's in that same vein of we're not going to take any action in the hopes that we can benefit later on. Uh, It's just something that adds to an already tense 
situation with school board elections uh, over at upnorthnewswi.com. I posted an article late today, school board candidates uh, across the state talking about the, the real venom that's out there. Um, although I want to get in this one quick uh, point about it. One candidate out in Brown County uh, told me about how some of his loudest critics online, he's reached out, wanted to meet with them, tried to clear the air. Uh, they, they wouldn't meet. Well, those of you who know the voter file and know you can access the voter file, he, he looked up these folks just to see, you know, what, what the deal is. Are they, you know, do they vote Republican? Do they vote? They're, they're real people, but they don't vote. They're not registered to vote or they're registered and they don't vote. So these are people that love to troll, but they don't actually get involved in democracy when it matters. So when, it, when we come back, the outgoing mayor of Merrill, Derek Wolner, on threats to American democracy, even at the local level. You're up north. Up North podcast. In this segment, we visit with the outgoing mayor of Merrill, Derek Wolner. Welcome. Who has to deal with the <laughs> crazies of his own, I guess, Derek, is what we're going to get into here. Um, you know, Derek, as much as I, I you're going to have plenty to say. So as much as I'd like to lead you into repeating some things yourself, I, I thought it might be best if I started by reading a post that you shared on social media in late December. Um, here's, here's the first part of it. It reads, your city government is being taken over by ignorant radicals and nobody is stopping them. I've spent the last two years having to break tie votes at city council on things like paying our bills and upholding the United States Constitution. You may think I'm exaggerating, but no, after approving some street projects and after all the work was done, it came time to pay the bill and half the council voted not to. I had to break the tie to pay our bills. Do you know how embarrassing that is? One more vote the other way, and there wouldn't have been a tie to break, and I'd be on the news having to explain why our city council doesn't think we need to pay the workers that built our roads. But that's nothing compared to what I had to deal with last month when one alderman brought a resolution for the Merrill Common Council to unilaterally decide which federal and state executive orders are legal and ignore the courts. When I pointed out this was unconstitutional, I was told that we can no longer trust, quote unquote, the liberal courts. And apparently others agreed four of the aldermen voted for a soft secession to grant themselves the power to supersede our federal and state system of government. Derek, welcome. Did this play a role in your saying I'm, I'm out of here or had you made that decision already? No, I had made that decision. Um, when I ran, I promised I was going to be a one-term mayor. Um, I think it's important to hold, to keep to your promises, uh, but it certainly did make me reconsider that. Um, it was really hard leaving the city government, you know, in the state that it's currently in. But I do have faith in the next two mayors, the two candidates. Um, to be honest, maybe they'll uh, be able to rein those guys in a little better because um, it, it was no uh, secret that I'm a progressive. So maybe a more Republican mayor will be able to control those crazy, uh, what I call them, irrational radicals. <laughs> no, I think you said ignorant, but ignorant. Say, okay, Ig you're quoted as saying ignorant. I don't want to use the word ignorant because most of the times their guys aren't necessarily ignorant, but they've been listening to the wrong news for years and years and years, and 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 they're very wise about the lies that are being spewed uh, to them. So, uh, so I I disagree with the term ignorant. 
but maybe, but maybe you know more than I do. I, yeah, I'm, I tried. I'm I tried to give them the benefit of the doubt because it's such a the violating. We took an oath to uphold the Constitution, so to put a resolution forward, which I have it right here, I can read it. Um, oh yeah, I have it too. It, it makes for good reading, folks. I'll yeah, tell you. <laughs> uh, they wrote, therefore, be it resolved that any executive orders issued by the state of Wisconsin or by the United States federal government that are overreaching or clearly violate our constitutionally protected rights will not be enforced by the city. So the first question that night was, who's deciding uh, whether it's overreaching or clearly violates our constitution? And their answer was, we are, we're gonna decide that. Uh -huh. And it, the other half of the council, their peers, they all told them, everyone, I, I, I'm pretty sure everyone spoke saying, well, this isn't constitutional. Article three, establishes well you know the constitution establishes the supreme court but then the legislature in article three establishes the lower courts for this very reason to make those determinations and for a lower government a city council to just come out and say we're going to decide what's constitutional now it i, I don't know how they can do that with a straight face well especially if they haven't read a history book where you know the preemption was one of the things that led to you know the the civil war uh mm -hmm. as well but I, I have to ask if 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 it was you or if it was somebody else if you look at the minutes the resolution declares the city of Merrill to be a constitutional republic city and there was a counter rev resolution offered a resolution by the Merrill common council declaring the obvious and yeah. it goes on to, to note that we are a city inside a country with a constitutional Republican form of government. We have well-proven systems of correcting oversteps of authority. Um, and on, and on go. Oh, oh, finally be it resolved that with exhausted annoyance, let us no longer introduce frivolous resolutions like this one, which just states the obvious, whether it be for grandstanding or a personal ego boost resolutions that serve nobody are not just neutral or inert. They are indeed damaging, tarnishing what should be a serious process addressing serious issues. I don't normally do this on the radio. I'm going to applaud right now because that oh, was, okay. that was beautiful. Was that you, Derek? Yeah. It was, I, I wrote that. Oh. I wrote that. <laughs> probably the night before the meeting just event and i i didn't plan on putting it forward because it's obviously it's not good decorum it, it, that resolution coming from there's snark in there there's obvious snark. no i love snark you know, oh. there is a time and a place for snark so you know yeah. well well placed i think you know progressives tend to really play by the rules and stay in their lane. And um, at least at the local level that I've seen to a point where the Republicans just bully them. So locally, we had um, a council member who spoke up about the legal process of choosing a poll worker and she's following the law and exercising due diligence. And a couple of members of the city council and the mayor basically steamrolled her for it. They ended up um, doing a formal investigation and making her apologize to the chair, former chair of the Republican Party who had been forced to step down for his very violent imagery and rhetoric. Um, and she had raised the issue, well, is this person appropriate to be a poll worker, which is a very natural question when somebody has been forced to step down for being so extreme. Um, but yeah, it, what is going on in our local government that suddenly law is secondary and poo poo to you who wants to follow it 
Yeah, it was pretty scary in our meeting when it, they made that comment about the liberal courts, or we can't trust the liberal courts, because it, it, I should have asked them at that time, which justice? You know, yeah. Which liberal which, courts are we talking about? <laughs> certainly yeah. it's not the U.S. Supreme Court, certainly not the Wisconsin Supreme Court. No, it's and it goes all the courts. way down. We have conservative, like in our region, like it, I, who is he talking about? It's it's not. It's it's a matter of what they don't agree with. And, and in fact, looking at the comments from your Facebook post, and, and as you know, the comment section can be a cesspool. But, you know, there, there's people like, you know, some of us like our freedom and anti-tyranny just because we don't want to follow big cities mandates don't make us bad people. Well, you're kind of giving away the ghost right there that this isn't about the courts. This is, again, that manufactured rural urban divide that. um you know, again, tries to, to make anything that comes out of Madison or St. Paul or Springfield or wherever an inherently bad thing. And, you know, for you as a young man in your 20s to run to be mayor of a small city in northern Wisconsin, it tells me you have to have a little bit more faith uh, it, rather than the, the people that would like to divide uh, government. I It actually restored my faith. I was kind of, I was a... I don't know what to call it, a, a doomer. I thought, you know, the world's ending. Um, there's no hope for our democracy. I had pretty much written it off. Um, but I thought, you know, I I had never served. So I thought, surely, if I can get elected, maybe the system's not as corrupt as I thought it was. And it, I was elected. I don't want to say it was easy, but it was fairly easy. And it that really restored my view on things because in school you're taught you know it's your it's your republic it's the people's republic but then you get you become an adult and you realize you know with all the lobbying and um just everyone accepts that congress doesn't work for us uh, the polling shows that um it, it's very easy to get jaded and just give up on the whole thing so this was kind of my last you know putting my money where my mouth was to prove that you know this is still our republic um so when i won i it it was like waking up you know in a brand new world after i won it it totally reframed things um i'm a little mean to voters now uh, you know when people come they they come to me with complaints and i always ask them well have you run have you run for county board school board city council no well, how can you possibly complain? The, I think school board gets it the worst, actually, from all the parents, especially on social media, just constantly complaining. So, and yep. So, Derek, I, I hear you, man. Let me cut you off for a second. I want to I want to I want to ask you a question and, and kind of frame it because we asked you on the show tonight because there's a big election on April 5th. Uh, there's, you know, county board, there's people running for county board, there's people running for school board. Our next guest is, has been kind of a field organizer to try to get good people running for school board. And then we got Ben Wickler, the uh, Democratic uh, Party chairman uh, as a third guest. So we brought you on tonight because it's like this story about you being the mayor of a town where people didn't want to pay the bills and didn't want to, you know, wanted to, you know, pass resolutions that, you know, didn't follow the Constitution shows what might happen if if the if pe these people get elected and they have majorities in city councils and and uh county boards and school boards like it's these people don't necessarily 
want to make the town of city of Merrill a better place to live. They want they're, they they want to seemingly like just put their own ideology of of a very limited historical knowledge uh, of what's going on in America. They just want to kind of throw that out there and kind of play play like you know play like Battlestar Galactica or something like that while they're on the county board. You know, so the question is, you know, how this is real stuff, right? I mean, the question is, like, what if what would have happened if if you guys would have voted not to pay your bills? You know, we would we would have been in the news in Barris because I asked them that very night. Okay, I get that because it's all kind of confusing. You, we approve the bit, we approve the projects in our budget in November. That whole summer the projects are done by the road crews. Usually we hire out and then come around August, we have to approve bonds to pay those bills. So the council gets mad because they seemingly forget that they approved these very projects back in November. Some of them, if it's on an election year, some of them may have not even been there to approve it. But Regardless, you still have to pay the bills that the, your previous alderman approved. Oh, my gosh. It's the debt ceiling debate all over again in Congress, <laughs> where Republicans approve a budget that, that they say we're going to spend this money. And then when it comes time to raise the debt ceiling to pay the bills that you agreed to pay, you don't pay it. I mean, this, this makes total sense now, Derek, because it, it comes from the very top. It, yeah, it but- does come from the rhetoric is identical. It's you have a president who tried to stage a coup to stay in office. You have a congressman from up north who wanted to aid in that sedition by overturning the will of the voters. So why wouldn't, you know, local officials follow that lead, try to cherry pick the laws they want to follow? Um, it, it does seem to be a common thread. Yeah. And it, if I didn't want to make that Facebook post. Um, I even mentioned in the post, I most of this, I felt like a lot of people, they want to vote for a mayor or a governor or president, and then they don't want to hear our name for the next four years. They just want to know that things are running smoothly. And it, I'm a little more involved than that. I like my politics, um, but I understand why people think that way. And that's what I tried to offer them. Um, but when I made that post, I was, I was literally desperate. It was, I think, exactly one week before papers were due to get on the ballot. And I was looking at who was on the ballot and the the people that voted not to pay the bills that voted for the unconstitutional resolution they were going unopposed like they're just guaranteed their seats back how as in a city of 10,000 people how is there not one person that's going to oppose that just will you pay the bills will you follow the constitution yes yes then you're qualified you're more qualified than the current alderman um, <laughs> so, so Derek, what advice do you have for people who are home listening, who are seeing what's going on? They're not liking it, but don't feel like they themselves are qualified. And they, you know, you put it so matter of fact, you're and you're qualified. absolutely right. I mean, <laughs> all I can how- say is you you are qualified. I got a lot of crap because I I never wore a tie as mayor. I wear flannels to every meeting. Um, a lot of people, that, so does Pat, <laughs> good style choice. Thank you. Um, a lot of people didn't like that just because I wasn't playing the part. That's fine. But I wanted to make a point. Literally anyone can do the job. 
I was 25 years old, no political experience. I, you can't get more unqualified than I was, <laughs> you know? Um, yet I was the one protecting the constitution. I was the one making sure the bills were paid. As long as you have common sense, I think if you don't have a political agenda, you're probably better off than most people that are going to be running because you're probably because of, supremely qualified at that point. And, yes. and I don't want to close with one final point as I was looking um, in your local newspaper at the candidates who are running now for various offices. Um, the one thing that really stood out to me, I've not, I've never met these people. I've never heard them speak, but you see the classic difference in at least one of the, well, one or two of the races, one person uh, talks about wanting to serve, wanting to help their neighbors, wanting to help the city grow. And the other person talks about spending is out of control and we've got to, you know, spend less and, and cut, cut, cut. And the, the, the selfishness there uh, just speaks volumes. That isn't being frugal. Uh, there's there's a, a line that you've crossed at that point. And uh, Derek Wallner, you've you've done so much for your community. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, best of luck to you in, in whatever futures endeavors are next. Thanks. Thanks for having me. My, our pleasure. Uh, we will take this break. And when we come back, Chris Hambuck-Boyle of the Wisconsin Public Education Network on what issues should be guiding voters next Tuesday. You're up north. <music> To let me die. I'm going off the rails on a crazy train. I'm going off the rails on a crazy train. Welcome back to the cabin. This is the Up North Podcast. I'm Pat Kreitlow along with Saria Koob and disc jockey Kirk Bangstead, who's picking crazy songs today to talk about some of the people we've had to deal with in the run-up to elections, uh, not the guests that are talking about these people that are running for election, Sarah. Joining us now is Chris Hambach-Boyle, an early childhood educator, former chair of the Eau Claire School Board, and now part of the Wisconsin Public Education Network. Welcome, Chris. Happy to have you. Hi. Hi, everyone. Okay, so Chris, there's a lot of places we could start here. Um, the election is April 5th. Uh, this is why this we're doing this show tonight. We're talking about county board elections. We're talking about city council elections. And now we're talking to you about school board elections. And we're focused on you because you've been you know, you've been kind of uh, one of these uh, regional organizers up north where, you know, we're the up north podcast. So we want to understand what's happening up north. And uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions, but I just got reports today that over $50,000 have been spent in Marathon County in Wausau to uh, put commercials, TV commercials, um, uh, TV commercials, lit. Uh, lit lit campaigns, radio ads, which is all like that are all paid for by secretive conservative packs, just like the Monaco Brewing Company super PAC, even though we're not that secretive and we're doing trying to do the right thing. But I understand what PACs are. These guys can be from anywhere, from like Alabama, and they'll and they'll shoot money into Wausau, Wisconsin, and we'll put all these ads up that say people are these people running for school board are terrible. 
even though they've been in the school board for 15 years and they've made all the right decisions, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's $50,000 being spent in Wausau right now. There's, there's hate mail being uh, put out. So that's, that's what I know is going on. I'd like to ask you, you've been organizing these school board races, which are nonpartisan, by the way. They should not have anything to do with being a Democrat or Republican. They should be doing about helping kids, helping making sure they have a good education. What are you seeing as an organizer? Well, I think I'm seeing a lot of the same kinds of things. Um, people that have been on um, the school board for a long time and then um, people stepping up because they need to want to change. Be- and none of them have really gone to school board meetings or they have an agenda and that none of that's good for kids and none of that's good for what needs to happen in our public schools. I think that the funding piece of our school system has been so broken for so long and people don't understand that and they don't know the intricacies of that and nothing that's been put forth since the blue ribbon commission under walker has ever even been entertained legislatively so we're not in a real good place and it really allows um candidates to um bridge that divide and people don't understand what's going on and they might pick the new person on the block just because it's hard for districts to survive when we're funded in so many districts unfairly. And I can give you tons of examples of what that looks like. Oh, we've been we've been talking to people about it. And the, the example that I want to give, uh, and again, it's something that we put on Up North News uh, you know, earlier this evening, is um, I took a look at just one, one particular group in Rhinelander. And uh, there are several groups like this that are against COVID safeguards. And this one's called the Take Back Team. And they put out newsletters with unique titles like natural immunity versus vaccine immunity. Why doesn't the CDC study this? Uh, They have. Um, Opt your kids out today from the youth risk behavior study. And one of my favorites, I'm so white, I must be racist. It's these incendiary uh, topics that have really gotten in the way of what school board elections used to be about Chris and I I'm, I'm I'm wondering if you think this is the the wave of the future or if this is just a release of of things combined with the pandemic and Trumpism and everything else I think it's all of that Pat every single thing of what you described there and I I am scared for the future if we don't somewhat have to come to the middle and have these conversations for example the night this came to the head in Eau Claire, the, the school board had to take a 20 minute recess uh, after people were screaming and yelling at them. And while they were on recess here, we were all sitting in the room together, you know, staring at each other and ultimately had an amazing conversation, a, a great discourse between everybody in the room, uh, which was more in line with each other than not. Mm-hmm. And we don't provide those spaces. And I think that's not going to be good for kids or our public schools. I'm, you know, I ask every legislator, what, what are we going to have our public schools in 10 years? And they don't give me an answer. And that's scary. Should be. Yeah. Sarah. So uh, to end on a, a hopeful note, can you tell us any cool stories about how communities have come together to sort of yeah. overcome this hyper-partisanship and these games that we're seeing? Well, I just gave you an example of when you can get people in the room and you can have a discourse together. But um, when you put the word out to people to support their school board, because this, these types of things are happening, they do show up. And that's what's happened in Eau Claire. That's what's happened in Baraboo. That's what's happened in Superior. 
people come and support their school board. And that to me shows that the quiet majority really needs to show up and they better vote on on Tuesday because that's what will save their public schools. That That is without a doubt the message that uh, I've been getting in preparation for that story, uh, that there's a, a quiet majority out there, but there it, it won't matter if they don't show up to vote. And much like the mayor of Merrill uh, talked in our last segment about the need for good people to run, we also need good people just to attend and know what's going on in their school board meetings. Uh, Chris Hambuck-Boyle, thank you so much for helping us provide that encouragement tonight. Thanks for having me. All right. We will take a break and then tackle the party politics of these spring nonpartisan elections head on with the chair of the state Democratic Party, Ben Wickler. You're up north. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. Flying away on a wing and a prayer. Who could it be? Believe it or not, it's just me. Kirk, isn't that the theme song to the old sitcom Great American Hero? Yes, wow. it is. And why are we hearing that? Because, okay, because, listen, I wanted to introduce Ben Wickler in the only way I knew how. And first of all, it's going to be with, with, a, uh, with a can of Evers Ale, because I know that he's working real hard to get Evers reelected. Crap, guys. Oh, there it is. Evers reelected. So we're going to take a sip of that. Ben went to go ran and get his beer while we were in the musical break. But there we go. Nuclear spotted cow. Way to go. So... So the reason I wanted to play Great American Hero is because Ben Wickler, I, I, I've been very vocal about how I would like the Democratic Party to be more progressive, to move further, to, to act, act more about, you know, about, you know, prosecuting insurrectionists in, in Wisconsin. Um, but I do realize how hard it is to be the, the chairman of the Democratic Party, because as a rule, Democrats are like cats and it's hard to herd cats because we have independent thoughts. We, we all want, think we can do it better than somebody else can do it. We are not uniformly coerced to like say one message all the time. And, and so I know how hard Ben's job is. And not only that, even if I disagree with the democratic party, sometimes I'm always going to be a Democrat. Uh, and, and I also wanted to say, like, his he helped get rid of the worst president we've ever had. He was instrumental. Biden won by 20,000 votes in Wisconsin. And, and, and we were one of the swing states. And without Ben, that might have not happened. And Ben did some of the craziest, coolest, creative stuff I've ever seen because he had, like, Mandy Patinkin on like raise we, we were raising i'm a musical theater guy like that's what i did for a while like i was like holy cow like this dude's bringing in unbelievable actors hollywood actors and doing stage readings of all these awesome movies to raise money to help get the word out to get rid of trump and get biden in. and and to that for that you're a great american hero and that's why we play that song today ben wickler and with that, that's that's all the time we have for the roast of Ben Wickler. So we want to <laughs> want to thank Don Rickles and Kirk Bangstead and everybody else for being here. Um, all right, Ben, we we've established that uh, 
you know, you're you're a very well respected party leader, but we've got to talk about these nonpartisan elections for a second. And I want to I want to throw this up to you. Two things can be true at once. One, party politics is playing a bigger role than ever in what have traditionally been nonpartisan elections. Two, that doesn't mean active Republicans and active Democrats can't be good members of school boards, county boards, and so on. Tell me I'm right or wrong. That is absolutely right. And I am fine with people who are from either party or no party serving in, you know, especially local nonpartisan office. My problem is when insurrectionists and stop the stealers and history deniers and conspiracy theorists decide to take over local government as a means to advance a hyper-partisan, hyper-right-wing agenda. And that is what we see across the state. And that's why we see not only the Republican Party itself, but far-right super PACs like uh, Restoration Pack, which is run by Dick Uline, one of the biggest funders of the Stop the Steal rally that is running TV ads in Green Bay right now, pushing lies about the 2020 election. They are getting involved in local, quote unquote, nonpartisan elections to try to grab local government and jerk it hard to the right in order to, frankly, lay the groundwork for a Trump coup in 2024. And that is a line that to me is not okay to cross. And that's why I think no matter what your politics are, but certainly if you're a Democrat or someone who doesn't believe that we should become an authoritarian country, this is the time to get involved. And frankly, you might be working for candidates who you might disagree with about partisan issues, but you're working to get people into office who believe in democracy. And that should be something that unites us all. All right, so Ben, we started hearing about this. We, you know this guy too, is Hans Brighton Mosier. He's the, uh, the, he's a, one of the heroes for the anti-gerrymandering movement, the Fair Maps movement. Uh, we had him on the show like maybe last November or October. And, and he said, whenever the people had to take out their, their stuff for, to become candidates, he's like, there's been nobody. He's like, it's unprecedented how many people are running for the county board in Lincoln County, you know, Merrill, Wisconsin. He's like, this is unprecedented. And a lot of these people have never, ever been involved in government before. They could care less about actually running the county of Lincoln County. They are just really mad that Trump got beat and they want to put their foot on the scale of, of, our, of the election of 2024. When did, when did you start hearing about this, this stuff going on? And, and when did the Democratic Party of Wisconsin kind of say, okay, now it's time for us to try to get involved, even though these are nonpartisan elections. So we heard about it last summer because Steve Bannon has this podcast called the War Room Podcast. And he started going on his show every day, calling for people to become poll workers and to run for local office so that they, I mean, I would say so they can mangle and undermine future elections. He says so that they can restore election integrity and, you know, stop democratic voter fraud. But they literally are talking about these local offices like the future of the Republic depends on it. And if people who are trying to endanger the future of, of the Republic take control of local election systems, then the future of the Republic does depend on it. Our, our state, it was the tipping point in the last two presidential elections, back to back. And in both elections, you, you lose two or three votes per precinct and it goes the other way. If we'd been able to gain two or three votes per precinct in 2016, we would have stopped Trump in Wisconsin. And I think the Republicans are very conscious of this. They're also conscious that if they can claim there's fraud and 
and it doesn't take any evidence for them to be able to do that. But if they have enough people who can st who stand up and claim that there's fraud in their area, and then they control the levers of power at the state level, then they have all the ingredients they need to pull off what they came within a hair's breadth of doing in 2020. Uh, you know, Timothy Ramthan, who's running for governor, has put forward a bill that would, if it's if it's passed, it would allow the attorney general if the attorney general claims that there's enough fraud to nullify any election in which the margin of victory is less than the number of absentee ballots, which is, you know, every presidential election in this century, and call for a redo, and potentially could do that ad infinitum, as far as I understand the bill, that this is all of a piece, it's of a piece to be able to kick up a ton of dust, and then call it smoke and say where there's smoke, there must be fire and then, you know, bring the fire hoses out. And that is a recipe that profoundly threatens the, the core idea of our constitution, of our country, and of our state. So Ben, what advice do you have? There seems to be this phenomena by which dark Republican money infuses into these local races, putting the Democratic Party in a position to do something to help these local candidates who don't have the big money to, to combat this. But then the response is, well, look, the Democratic Party's getting involved in nonpartisan races. How how do we disentangle this so people understand, no, this is a response to this dark money push that we're, we seem to ignore when we talk about this? I don't believe in unilateral disarmament. That to me is the fundamental thing. So if, you know, if, if the Republican Party and right wing dark money groups stay out of a local election and candidates say we don't want to run as partisans, then I totally get that. But I was talking to a, a candidate for judge today who is an independent running as an independent and in a nonpartisan race, but the Republican Party has now endorsed and is running constant radio ads and sending out mail on behalf of his opponent. So he's just decided in this final stretch to agree to, to accept support from the Democratic Party. And if the Republican Party wants to support him, he'll welcome that too, to make sure that he's communicating with voters. So one thing is that a lot of times once candidates see what the other side is doing, they, they ask for help and I would say that you know anyone who's in a position to provide it should be ready to be able to turn it on. But the other thing is, regardless of any individual candidate, you can go out and make sure that people vote who share your values. And that kind of just core get out the vote activity, making sure that everyone who listens to this show, for example, not only casts a ballot on April 5th, but also calls three friends and gets them to vote too, that can make the difference. The core of the game in these local races is turnout. If you look at 2014, the last time we didn't have any statewide candidates on the ballot, the total number of votes cast in the spring election was 505,000, which is less than one sixth the number in 2020. So you can, you can flip a race like this by turning out your friends and family. And that is what we need to do on April 5th. Okay. So, so Ben, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of tie, you said, kick up dust to create smoke, to say where there's smoke, there's fire, there must be uh, election fr election fraud. This is, this is why my super PAC has taken Ron Johnson, Tom Tiffany, and uh, Scott Fitzgerald to court because they were, we are accusing them in federal court of kicking up dust to create smoke, to, to then say where there's smoke, there's fire. And that's why the Eastman Chesborough lawyers for Trump you know, we're hoping to get fraudulent electors. So this whole thing started with Trump. This whole thing started and it's, it's sifted down. And now you have, now you have, you know, talk show hosts getting, you know, getting county board people to get all riled up because of a false narrative. Uh, so 
I guess, uh, you know, it's may maybe not a question, but I want you to respond is like, my, my thoughts are this, this election, this on Jan on, on April 5th is really in integral to fighting for democracy in Wisconsin and America, because the big lie has now made it to local elections, city, county, and school board. And, and we have to turn out on April 5th in order to hold our democracy together. It is 100% true. This is a domino that could push over a bigger domino and a bigger domino and actually affect the future of American democracy. The, the elections that are happening in six days, it's not an exaggeration to say they could affect the, the rest of all of our lives and all of our kids' lives and their lives. And the, the, the crazy thing about this political moment is that we can have national elections that can genuinely hinge on what happens in Wisconsin and elections in Wisconsin for the last six have come down to less than one percentage point, a few ten thousands of votes. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, a rogue city council can actually affect. So this this really is go time. And I'm thrilled that we've seen thousands of volunteers doing get out the vote work. We have record numbers of absentee ballots that have already been cast. And we know that those are overwhelmingly likely to be people who share our values casting those absentee ballots. But we're about to see a tsunami of, of right-wing turnout. And we need to overtop it to stop them from taking over local government and then ripping the, the social contract in half. On the subject of creeping authoritarianism, uh, I want to switch gears here, but you, uh, you're, you're a great person to talk to about this following the uh, uh, the Inspector Clouseau-worthy investigation of Mike Gableman, which led to an open records lawsuit against Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, to a court deciding today to hold Assembly Speaker Robin Voss in contempt for not releasing records that were sought under a public information request, an open records request. That kind of flouting of a court's authority, Ben, what, what's the significance of that, that the Speaker of the State Assembly, the state's most powerful Republican, uh, feels like they can he can get away with that along with everything else? Arm gesture sweeps widely. <laughs> Robin Voss learned it from Scott Walker and Donald Trump. Every time a Republican gets away with breaking the law with no accountability, it opens the door for other Republicans to do the same thing. And, you know, as Democrats, we expect our elected officials to maintain standards of behavior and we uh, hold them accountable when they don't. Republicans do not have the same expectations as a party. They seem to kind of, especially with their political leadership, delight in people getting away with it, whatever it might be. And that's why you have to create consequences. And if, if you know, the, the courts or, or law enforcement don't do it, voters have to do it and political parties have to do it and ultimately reach a point where Republicans know. Or super PACs have to do it. Let's or be super honest. I mean, I can't direct super PAC activity. I'm a party official. But I will say that as a society, there needs to be consequences for thumbing your nose at the law and doing things that, that, are, that, that we have made illegal. Um, in the interest of public transparency and, and public service. It is outrageous what Robin Voss is doing and what, what Gableman is doing. And there should be accountability for it. And the whole idea behind gerrymandering is to eliminate accountability so they can get away with whatever they want. And, and we have to fight back. And with that, I'm thinking hashtag Shannon Zimmerman, who's going on year six of his voter and election fraud. So while there is not mass scale voter fraud, and that is a lie, in his case, he continues to do it. Um, but it seems to be this twisted take on power that because I can and no one's going to stop me, that makes me better than everyone else. And the voters seem to be OK with it. And I'm, why? I mean, most voters aren't. They've, Republicans have lost 
uh, if, if you ask Kevin Nichols, then 11 of the last 12 statewide elections. And one of the fascinating things is we watch Republicans turn on their own and the toss Voss movement gain yes, steam and, you know, in, yeah. in, in parts of Wisconsin is that they're they're blaming each other. Their narrative is that they're not ruthless enough to, yeah. to hold on to power. I think the reality is they're so feckless and so fundamentally unaccountable to the public that they're doing things that are reprehensible. And people do notice that they've drawn the lines in a way that makes it hard to get majorities, but ben, there is absolutely a reckoning here. We got to run Ben Wickler. Thank you so much. We sure appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for joining us up at the cabin. We'll see you up North next week. Washington.